Dubuque Rising with Alex Dixon, a surprising gem on the Mississippi. A new podcast series hosted by Alex Dixon, president and CEO of DRA and Q Casino. The podcast focuses on various Dubuque-related topics and provides an inside look at this unique community's future. Here's Alex Dixon. Alex Dixon here reporting live from uh, Central Avenue right here in Dubuque, Iowa. Uh, so excited in studio today we have with us Mr. Mayor Brad Cavanaugh. How are you? I'm doing well, Alex. How are you doing? No, welcome. Uh, thank you for, for coming down. Thank you for uh, agreeing to sit down. Uh, w- this has been a great format. Uh, for us to be able to uh, really share so many of the great stories that are happening, not only in Dubuque, uh, but with, throughout the region. And so it's great to be able to sit down uh, with with Mr. Brad, Mr. Mayor. Uh, and so we'd really love to just start with your story, your background, kind of sure. give us the arc of your your career as well as your family. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, um, I, I'm a native Dubuque, so I was born here, grew up here mostly. Um, when I was a kid, I actually, when I was about five years old, moved to a smaller town, Miles, Iowa, in Jackson County, south of here, and uh, lived down there. My parents are from around there. And then moved back in, say, fifth grade, give or take, and uh, graduated from Hempstead here in 1996. And then went off, uh, went to the University of Iowa, uh, eventually landed in St. Louis at St. Louis University for graduate school. Uh, I got an education in social work, so I've got both a bachelor's and master's in social work, and that's kind of where my career went to. And um, yeah, there's there's a lot more encapsulated in that story kind of that leads me to this point of where I'm at now as mayor. You know, um, part of it actually is it kind of wraps into the DRA story because my my family was part of that exodus that left Dubuque mm. and then eventually returned. And um, I was kind of the same way. I mean, I took off for about 12 years and then came back to Dubuque after that. So I came back in 2008. My wife and I are both from here. So um, Jen and I came back in 2008 and um, really right away, um, rediscovered a, a city that was in many ways brand new to us than from where we had grown up. I mean, there was so much more going on. The riverfront was already in full swing. The millwork was something people were talking about. Uh, there was just a lot happening. And we, we found ourselves in a community that we absolutely wanted to get involved in as fast as we could. So that was really part of what led towards this um, service in my life was just getting more involved in the community and, and doing things like that. And it's kind of part of I mean, really, the idea of being a social worker to me was was all about that. I mean, it was really more about wanting to to serve people in some way. That's what always drew me in to working with others and and doing things like that. So it was it seems like in many ways a natural progression. Um, but this turn that I took towards elected office was a was not entirely expected. I mean, it was a different one. It wasn't, I didn't grow up here. I, my joke when I was campaigning for mayor was if you would have told my 18 year old self that you're going to be the mayor of Dubuque someday, I would have laughed in your face. Really? I just thought that was, really? I would have thought that was the funniest thing because yeah. I couldn't even imagine that when I was that age, you know? Hmm. So it's, um, so yeah, that we, that's kind of, you know, we started, um, having children. My Jen and I had our first son in St. Louis, six weeks later, Hightailed it to Dubuque where all the babysitters were, you know, our grandparents and everybody. Right. Um, we love having family here. So we, um, yeah, we moved in, in that direction. And, um, you know, we've had, we have two boys now and both in, uh, one in high school, one in middle school and really enjoying life in Dubuque. Great, great. And so uh, what, what are they active in, in, in school, the boys? So uh, Sam, my oldest, is a sophomore in high school and he is in cross country and theater. Um, you, you know theater well, your right. family knows theater well. Uh, and it's, it's 
So much fun. I mean, we have a really good time. And then Andrew is, uh, he's going to start playing football this year in seventh grade and also active in theater stuff and just constantly going. They're, they're just constantly going. I mean, they are always, I'm like the primary bus driver for the family. So I, like, I, I get it. No, it's, it's always cool when we're on calls and, you know, doing, you know, doing business or, you know, talking about air service, a number of things. And, and, uh, and you hop in and say, Hey, I'll be right back I'm doing drop off, pickup. you know, yeah. don't miss a beat <laughs> going from my laptop to my, to my headphones and then, and just keep it rolling. And, yeah, and so that it, happens it, fairly often these days. It's so great. And, I, and yeah. I think what's so amazing is that you, you literally uh, almost, I don't know if it's took a sabbatical or took some time so that you could, you know, focus on being the mayor. And cause there's so much, uh, let's say that you can do. Yeah. And so talk to me about, about that process or how you thought about it because yeah. you, you've been so active and it's just, um, it's, it's, it's really cool. And it's great for our community. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thanks. It, it was, uh, yeah. So I actually, the last for, for about a decade, I taught at Loris college. It was, it was an awesome experience. I loved it. I was in the social work program there. Um, you know, was actually a division chair for one of the divisions of, uh, teacher education and behavioral sciences at the time did quite a bit of work, um, you know, within the community doing that kind of stuff, but really focused on teaching, you know, teaching, um, up and coming social workers, students of all kinds. And it was a great, great experience, but I did reach a point, um, you know, sort of the pandemic sort of sped it up, but there was a point where I sort of was just like, yeah, I'm not so sure that I'm given this the hundred percent that I need to anymore, you know, where you start to realize that there's a change that's needed and you got to make some shift in your career. I think a lot of us go through that. So mine happened to coincide with, um, the mayoral race. So when I, uh, when I actually decided to leave Loris, I left. Um, and then after that decided to run for mayor, I, I was not entirely certain about the mayoral run. I wasn't sure if my family was ready for it. I wasn't sure if, uh, it was something that, you know, we were, were really set to do. And what I realized, um, I eventually realized that we absolutely were, and it was a a great, great, um, opportunity. And, uh, was really, I was really happy that we made that decision, but that was a transition time for us. So when we, when I decided to leave Loris, uh, my wife's job was very, very busy in healthcare and she, um, decided to take on even more responsibility. And that kind of left us in a position where we decided, well, one of us, do more of the kid stuff. And, and that happened to be me. Mm-hmm. So I kind of turned into the, the stay at home dad and father and husband, and also ran for mayor at the same time. And, you know, while mayor is not a full-time job in Dubuque, it is the most full-time part-time job that I've ever seen. I mean, it really, it really is something, you know, that we, we, uh, we have a very part-time city council in, in the city of Dubuque, mm-hmm. but you don't notice that very often because our city council is very, very active. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're really, um, doing a lot. And, and what I found in the position of mayor is that's absolutely true. So it fits pretty well for our family. I'm, I'm fortunate that I can be in that situation where we can do that. Um, but yeah, it is, uh, it's been quite an adventure for sure. No, that's, that's amazing. We're, we're appreciative. And, uh, again, uh, here, Alex Dixon, uh, with Dubuque rising podcast here with mayor Brad Kavanaugh. And so we, we in Dubuque, we benefit from one of the lowest property taxes in the, in the state of Iowa. Um, and, uh, you know, we were just upgraded, um, in our bond rating, just uh, the fiscal management. And it, it really feels like, and I'm biased that we're really on this precipice of growth and prosperity, um, above and beyond what we've seen in the past. But that, that brings about 
kind of what I call growing pains or really tough decisions. And so how are you navigating through, you know, really the the role of the mayor, the council, staff, um, the community? Um, you know, we, we there's been, you know, clearly, you know, in the paper kind of discussions about, you know, the development community and all the ongoing conversations. And so would really just love your perspective on, you know, our years ahead and the growth and, and how we're managing through that. Yeah. Yeah, you uh, packed a lot into that question yeah, right sorry. there. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, yeah, but yeah. Th- I think that's great because that's the conversation that I think we're we're all having right now. You know, we're at this really interesting time in Dubuque and and frankly in in the country. I mean, I think we need to start there because Dubuque does not operate in isolation from the the environment around us. And um if you look around the country right now, one of the things you recognize right away is that people are uniquely frustrated. Um, they, we're just sort of at this point where I think people are, I don't always want to use the term anger, but there's a lot of it. I mean, there's a lot of people who are feeling angry. They're frustrated. Um, the national narrative, when you look at the political landscape is one of, uh, it's definitely not one of coming together and trying to focus on what it means to do things together as Americans. It's really, we're divided up into so many groups trying to get things done for our group and not necessarily all running in the same direction. Dubuque's not immune to that. I mean, we've, we've definitely found ourselves in that situation. But what is unique about Dubuque, though, is the fact that for years and years and years, I mean, for generations now, we've successfully managed to navigate all this national narrative and do our own thing and be successful at it. It has not been easy, but we've pulled it off. I mean, I already mentioned some of the spots, you know, um, when you think about the the fact that we rediscovered the river and started to build a downtown that people actually want to hang out in. Um, we've, we're becoming more diverse. Um, we've got a diverse economic base. You know, all these things have happened over time. Uh, but right now, what's really interesting is when you look across um, the country and then you get to Iowa, this idea of growth that you mentioned isn't necessarily something that everybody agrees on. Yeah. I, I don't, I've, I've heard people say directly in our state that we don't want to grow. We don't want to be uh, bigger necessarily, um, or different than what we are. I've heard people say that now, not everybody feels that way, but I've heard people say that out loud and that's challenging because, um, you know, we kind of, I mean, we have a choice. It's a pretty stark one really as a state and as a community, we can either move forward or we can start to move backwards. It's pretty hard to stay right where you are and have nothing change ever. And my concern for us is that we could be in a situation where if we don't look ahead and try to build a community and then work with our state to build a state that is actually going to be poised for the kind of growth that means success in the economy and um, culturally and just in general happiness of people. If we don't put ourselves in that position, then I do think that we're just going to start to backslide. And unfortunately, we we seem to be in this. Um, we seem to be in this mode of urban versus rural in Iowa. And this is, this is the same in other states too. But I find that really unfortunate because I think what we recognize in Dubuque is that we actually, we live and die together as a region. This is not about the city versus Dyersville or Piasta or, you know, any of those, any of the other towns that are around us, the cities that are around us in the, in Dubuque or even across the river in Illinois and Wisconsin, we've got to do this together. And, and really that's what the whole, the whole state needs to do. And, and again, if you go out to the whole country, the United States, I think that's where we could find the answers to some of these challenges we have is if we start to focus on 
what do we need to do together? What do we need to actually do to be successful as a group, as a unit? So, you know, that's the, the challenge that some of the challenges that I'm experiencing in this role as mayor and some of the things that we're reading about in the paper, the discussions that we're having, development came, came up pretty recently. Um, those discussions, I think, are are not isolated. I think they're absolutely tied into all these other things that are going on. Mm-hmm. And as with many things, one of the things that I've recognized is that a lot of the challenges that we do have come down to communication in a lot of ways. And I don't mean to simplify it too much, but in a lot of ways, if people aren't really listening to each other and aren't really hearing each other and aren't trying to empathize with the other side, then that's where you're going to run into the biggest problems. And I've noticed that quite a bit, you know, in this role is that we have uh, groups of people that aren't necessarily communicating effectively. And sometimes you realize right off the bat, we've got to make sure that we've got a, a way to communicate effectively. Yeah. So we need to make sure that we're sitting in the room together. We have this regularly scheduled meeting. We're doing these things. We're not doing it on a screen anymore just mm-hmm. because we got used to that during the pandemic. We have to sit down and talk to each other. We have yeah. to be face-to-face actually having conversations. So I think we um, are starting to see some real movement in the right direction on that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that that is really, I think, great about Dubuque is that we're, you know, we're a big city, but we're just small enough to really know each other pretty well and really have to work together to get these things done. So it's not going to be too long most of the time before we finally sit down and say, hey, let's let's work this out. Let's figure it out so we can move forward. And I'm, I'm seeing that happen. We moved here, Yendra and I, two years ago from from Vegas, and have always lived in really big, um, you know, big cities uh, really around the world. And uh, so it's uh, our first time in in uh, the Midwest, first time in a more rural community. And what's so amazing is that we, I agree with you that we're small enough to be able to address um, uh, any of the different challenges that we're that we're facing. And this this aspect of growth, because I, I do think there are some challenges that, quite frankly, we're not going to figure out uh, within the next couple of years. Right. Uh, but this this notion of this desire. And I think one of the things that's shared is this desire here, at least whether it's locally or within our region to grow our population to be able to, you know, increase the number of homes, to increase all these other different components. And so, you know, now that, I mean, I think we're going to continue to have the broader national narrative, but if we can focus, like you said, um, in this region to figure out how do we get some points on the board? You know, I think if there's some more um, continued growth and continued things that we can point to to say, hey, look, we are on the rise. We're headed in the right direction. Um, you're never going to quiet all of the critics. You're never going to quiet all the discussion. But I, I'm excited for us to be on this path the next couple of years. I, I explain our, our community when I'm talking externally is like imagine Nashville before it took off or Boise, Idaho, before yeah. it kind of took off. And it, and it really feels like, you know, there's definitely, you know, some jockeying. There's definitely... Um, of movement, but the competitive spirit here um, is lo- unlike any uh, place I've been um, around uh, around the country. And speaking of competitive and speaking of spirit, last night we had uh, literally 6,000 plus uh, on Schmidt Island for Jelly Roll. Uh, I want to thank you personally, as well as uh, um, the city manager and the entire city council. You know, we had a, a fireworks show. That's what I, I learned what it what it was. And you all um, had an emergency city council meeting on Friday um, before a Sunday show in order for rock and roll and, and great country music to go on. So, so emergency thank you and rock and roll meeting. Yeah, I like that. Right. Yeah, that, it was great. Emergency might be a little bit 
of a strong term, but it was, but we definitely did have a, uh, a meeting on short notice to be able to approve something that, uh, yeah, sometimes things just, you know, even, even things that end up being kind of big are overlooked. So you got to figure that out. So I'm glad we were able to work that out, but no. it was exciting, you know, and that, this is the kind of stuff that I think, one of the things that, that I notice when I'm, when I'm talking to people and um, ever since I've been on city council, you know, is the, this desire to have the, the types of recreational activities and the types of entertainment activities that other places have mm-hmm. and the ability for that to be able to sustain itself, mm-hmm. you know, so you're doing such a great job with that as, uh, you know, as part of the queue and the DRA to really bring that to Schmidt Island, but then also to other parts of the, of the city. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a really important point that we have to look at as we think about what this idea of growth means. Yeah, I want to point to something you said, because um, I think this is what sometimes makes people nervous in Dubuque. And, and, you know, because growing up here, I sort of recognize that there's this sort of, there's a, there's a comfort to the way things are in a lot of ways and the size things are and the amount of cars on the road and all these different things. Right. Um, I, I, I got a pretty good kick out of the fact that when I moved away to St. Louis and then I came back, I immediately went back into Dubuque mode where I was upset when it took me more than like 10 minutes to get somewhere. You know, when I was used to driving for like 45 minutes to get home, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 miles away in certain parts of St. Louis, but it's kind of the way it is. And and I I point that out for a reason. When you say things like um, Nashville before it became what it is, you know, Um, I, I recently was in Nashville and it was, it's such a cool city. It really is. But one of the things that people there were talking about was the fact that, you know, they were, they were proud of the fact that they had so many cranes in the sky to yep. build all these buildings, but there was a frustration with how big they were becoming yep. that fast. Yep. And I think that's one of the interesting ways to have to strike a balance mm-hmm. in a leadership role like I'm in right now, because I don't necessarily want to be Cedar Rapids mm-hmm. or Des Moines, mm-hmm. uh, personally. Yeah. I like it here. Yeah. And if I wanted to move to Cedar Rapids or Des Moines, I have that option, yeah. right? I want to be Dubuque and I want Dubuque to feel like Dubuque, but we do recognize, I think collectively we recognize that there, we need to see some growth to really get the things that we feel like we really want. Mm -hmm. You know, those places to go and eat, those places to go and uh, have some entertainment, the places to go and like, you know, the ability to get enough resources to be able to have the recreation that we want in Mm -hmm. the community. And that balance is such an interesting balance to have to strike because you're always talking about growth versus something else, you know? And, and I think that, um, I want to help us get to a place where we can see that growth doesn't have to be on the opposite side of all these other things. We can actually grow and still preserve nature, for example. And I think it's, it's, it's spot on in terms of that, the balance that we, that we not only have to strike, but exists within here. Right. So, so for those of us who are, you know, developer mindset kind of, Hey, go, go, go. You know, I need my top line to be growing and, and, um, uh, we, we want activity. We want to develop all these other different yeah. things. In some ways we can get so focused and myopic on, let's say our approach or vision or view to sometimes not recognize that, look, there's an entire constituent base who, who may be not even in the middle where I think you are, but more right. so to the far left, uh, yeah. or, you know, to the extreme, uh, of either way right. and say, Hey, hell no, we won't go. I, you know, right. I don't want it. And so the way I've described it is almost, we can be quaint and robust. Yeah. And um, almost we, we can keep, because what we love about here is, is again, you know, it takes seven minutes to get to work, you know, yeah. uh, great schools, all these t- different components, very low crime, yeah. all those things we want to stay. And I think this notion though, of, is think of, Hey, if the empty building that I drive past, could be filled up. Yes. 
that's really not, let's say, expanding or sprawl, but we're able to have a right. robust, let's say, kind of downtown to make the Millwork District, you know, really the great thriving area that we can leverage yeah. and continue to go on. And so, yeah. but what's it's important, I think you hit it right, is that we have to continue the dialogue uh, and be able to, to, to move We do. On. Yeah. And help to help each other find that balance, you know, that middle ground where we can really grow in that right direction. Uh, what I hope we can all start to recognize is that we, we are all together playing a long game here. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to be looking 10, 20 years down the road. And sometimes these things that we talk about in rapid succession, like this housing stuff, for example, yep. you know, there's been a lot of housing developments that we have put through development agreements at city council. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a lot in the last year. And I do know that that can be unsettling for people mm-hmm. when you see that much growth happening that fast. What I hope people see though, is that those places aren't built the next day. Yeah. That's not the way that this process works. The process works that we we clear the way, we rezone, we put things in place to be able to build those places and start to bring people here. And over time, over the next few years, we're going to start to see some of that building happening, some of that growth happening. And then over the next decade or two, we start to see that growth rise in the, in the way that we get. And we're going to get some benefits out of that. We're going to see... You know, I always joke about the Trader Joe's. I mean, everybody always comes up to me. They're like, uh, how come we don't have a Trader Joe's? I want a Trader Joe's. And I, I always, my response right away is, well, you should open one, you know, go <laughs> yeah, ahead. Yes, Let's get yes, one going. Yeah, yeah. But the reason we don't is because we aren't quite at that threshold yet. And there's a lot of things like that. I mean, there are a lot of different um, businesses that we don't have that other places do because we haven't quite reached that population threshold mm-hmm. that will allow us to be able to um, make that place profitable for whoever does finally decide to open it. So we have to we we have to play the long game together as we talk about this, and I think it's important that we uh, that we start to think that way and not get so wrapped up in the short term what's going to happen in the next two weeks to a month. That's great. So speaking of the long game, uh, air service, sure. Um, and so we spend a lot of time together on on that topic. And so maybe for those who aren't kind of deeply ingrained in this topic, maybe just kind of give a little bit of a level set as to as to what we're facing and and how we're going to tackle this uh, yeah. together. Would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things I want to hit on by the time I'm done talking about this is the, the importance of partnerships across the board and what that really means. So, you know, and I recognize too that those of us that are in the weeds on air service, we probably need to say a little bit more, a little more often to make sure everybody's caught up on where That's we're right. going as a community right. and the things that are actually being done. Because I think it can look from the outside that, uh, that maybe there's not that much being done. You know, we've got um, a great partner in Avello Airlines as an ultra low cost carrier. And um, maybe some people think that that's all we were shooting for, but but that's not true. We, we really, my goal as mayor is to have full connection to the United States by air, um, by road and by rail, whatever way we can to have full connection to the rest of the United States to make sure that we can continue to prosper going forward. Uh, when we lost air service uh, about oh, about a year ago now, um, you know, it was um, really it was a really challenging situation. Coming out of the pandemic, air um, air service was hurting already. Commercial air service, the small regional carriers were the ones that were going to drop first. So. Airports like ours were the ones that were sort of right on the bubble for places that were either going to retain their air service or lose it. We aren't alone as in Dubuque. We've, we've lost um, other, other places throughout the country have lost service. Not, not as many have lost all air service like we did all at the same time, but there's still been quite a bit of loss in, in the air service industry and not a, a really quick addition to adding flights back. So where we are is um, we, we've successfully put together a group. We call ourselves the commercial air service team. You're on it. Mm -hmm. 
Um, the Dubuque Commercial Air Service Team. We've got we've got you guys. We've got other partners like uh, Greater Dubuque Development Corporation, Dubuque Area Chamber, um, Airport Director, Airport Commission, Travel Dubuque. I'm leaving somebody out. Um, we've got we definitely have you know a, a strong partnership of people that are coming together, looking at this from all these different angles. And, and the bottom line is, we are basically taking multiple different routes towards bringing air service back. And the way air service really works is it's the it's the primary carriers these days. I mean, it's the big hub airports like O'Hare and Denver and Atlanta and um, Dallas and places like that. We have to get a connection to one of those places if we want to have that full connection to the rest of the country. And we really need to work with um, place uh, airlines like uh, American Airlines and United and Delta is the big three, but then also regional carriers. So we're going after all of them and we're trying to talk to them directly and figure out what can we do to get service back. They're watching closely to see what happens with the Savello flight and the one that's coming to Vegas too. Yeah. So Orlando and Vegas, um, and they're going very successfully. I mean, we've got, they're, they're basically mostly full every single time. I mean, 85 to 90% load factor is what they call it. So um, lots of people flying, which is fantastic. Now, there are many other factors involved, pilot shortages, um, early retirements, all kinds of different things that are happening in air service that make this really difficult for us to solve on our own. But what we can do on our own is what we're really focused on. Mm -hmm. We have to figure out as a community, is there anything we can do to bring an airline here? Mm -hmm. So this means working with not only the airlines, but also with our partners at the federal and state levels of government. So I spend a lot of time talking to our federal congressional delegation. So I, um, I, you know, fortunate enough to be able to go to Washington DC several times a year as mayor, sit directly with our, our Congress, um, Congresswoman Hinson in particular, but, and, you know, other people that represent the areas of, of the Midwest, but then also our senators, uh, Senator Grassley and Senator Ernst, make sure that I'm talking to them about what we need from air service here in Dubuque and anything they can do trying to push that from the federal level, because there's quite a bit, but, um, the, the final piece then, aside from working with, um, you know, the levels of government is actually working with ourselves here. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways that communities solve this problem is they come up with a way to have a minimum revenue guarantee to pay an airline to say, we will give you at least this much money if you come and start flying out of Dubuque. And like it or not, that's kind of the way the airline game is played these days. So we are exploring this possibility to see what that would take in Dubuque. Mm -hmm. What's that going to mean to us? Our nearest airport is over 70 miles away. I just don't find that acceptable as, as a person who lives here mm -hmm. and needs to go to places. I'm pretty frustrated every time I have to book a flight anymore these days. And it's, it's fairly often anymore mm -hmm. to have to do the traveling that I do. And I, um, I, I think about not just me, but I think about the major businesses that are here. I think about the families that want to get somewhere, mm -hmm. people who have family members that live across the country and they want to go and see them for holidays and things like that. Mm -hmm. A person shouldn't have to drive 70 miles to get on a flight in 2023 yeah, the college in a city students, like yeah. this. The college the students, students, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, absolutely. We've got college starting this week in a lot of different places. And just to, to have to get to where you need to go, air service is a requirement. Yeah. Well, it's very comforting knowing, one, that is your perspective having the both familial ties as well as the business ties uh, in the community of knowing how important that is, because so much of it is, is recognizing the challenge and then organizing around it. And what I think I would commend you, because again, have done business in a number of communities uh, around, uh, a lot of times, let's say mayors will have something important to them and then delegate it off to a group to, to help to execute. What I think um, would you know, but our listeners should know is that you literally 
literally convene, draft an agenda and, you know, kind of crack the whip of the of the team of leaders in our community who are focused on this issue and making sure that we're focused. And what I think everyone would be encouraged by who is on the call, by the tone and tenor of the call and literally the pace of how things are moving. And it's hard because, look, we, we won't reach that mountaintop until yeah. there's some external validation. But um, what I'm proud of is to be a part of a process that you're leading to be able to help us get there. Another long-term topic, and again, we're here with uh, Mayor Brad Kavanaugh, um, and we're here with Dubuque Rising. Um, so there's a school bond referendum, and I know that's not under your direct purview, but it's something particularly, you know, we've got kids uh, in, in, in the school district. I'd love to get your thoughts on, on the school bond referendum and, again, helping set the, the, the tone of, of, uh, of, of the, the issue. Would love to hear your thoughts, and then, um, um, then we'll close out. Sure. Yeah, well, one of the first things I always have to say now that now that I am mayor and I'm not just Brad who lives in Dubuque, you know, is that um, this the, the school district issues are are um, under the purview of the school board. Mm-hmm. They are the governing governing body. So, and I very much appreciate the work that they do. So, the city council doesn't have really anything to do with passing this or moving this bond referendum forward or anything like that from a mm-hmm. governmental standpoint. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I'm going to speak kind of about this as both a parent with kids in the school district um, and a, a former student of the school district. Mm-hmm. And then, but then also, you know, from my perspective as mayor, because I think it fits with this whole long game idea that we just talked about. Um, you know, if you want to have a community that thrives, you have to have a school district that is built to succeed. And we have done a very good job of that over time in Dubuque. I mean, I have, I had the greatest experience as a student in the Dubuque community school district when I was going through it. And my kids are having a fantastic experience too. And, um, you know, we, we our, our boys went to Lincoln first, uh, the neighborhood school near us, and then, um, to Washington, uh, middle school and, um, now heading off to senior. And it's one of the things that still gets me is, you know, you know how hot it is this well, week, yes. right? And, um, I mean, our kids are not going to be in school for the full days, probably for each day. I mean, I, I'm not going to make that call, but I'm guessing they, that they've, they've already called it. The kids will be out two hours early tomorrow There we go. Um, because of air conditioning. Because of the fact that they don't have air conditioning in the schools to be able to do it in 2023. Right. So I and I know that we have old schools that are that are challenging places to be able to retrofit those kinds of things. But we we have to be able to have schools that can function in an educational environment. You can't think when it's 90 degrees in your classroom, mm-hmm. you know, we have the capability to get this done and, and we can do it with this bond referendum to be able to air condition the rest of the schools, but even more so build a school district that's going to be built for the population that we have coming up. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the demographic shifts that we have, you realize the numbers of students and they grow and shrink over time and all these different things. And the school district has to make those calls on what's going to be the best way to build. I think it's a great idea to be able to consolidate to two middle schools and start to help move the kids through the school district in that way. I think that the plan that the school district has come up with is a really good plan. As a parent, I'm very excited to vote for this. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to voting yes on it. Um, and I hope that people will start to think of that. You know, that it's it's great that they figured out a way to, that the school district figured out a way to do this without really raising people's taxes to yep. be able to make this happen. But I got to tell you, as, as, a, as a parent and as a person who wants to, see children educated well, I would happily pay a little bit more to be able to make sure that that can happen if that was my choice. I think we need to think about what our kids need and how we can build the best school districts for them as possible. Um, Even if 
you choose to go to private school, mm-hmm. even if, you know, because the Holy Family Catholic School System is a great school system. Mm-hmm. There are other private school systems around. Even if you make that choice, I think it's really important that we have a fully functioning school district for all kids to be able to, to succeed. So, you know, communities are not going to succeed if they don't have a successful school system. They just, they just aren't. So we have to make sure we have a good educational system. And this is, this to me is a, a, is a very positive issue that we need to push forward. No, absolutely. And so uh, what's, what's before us is that on November 7th, folks will have an opportunity um, to vote yes on a, on a referendum um, that won't uh, increase your taxes, Mm -hmm. but we'll be able to provide air conditioning for, for um, the schools in our community that don't. Um, And like you said, consolidate from three down to two. And what's been great is, is, as an investor and, you know, a great capitalist um, who runs a nonprofit casino, (laughs) is that communities who invest in their schools and have great schools, the property values of those communities, let's say, are greater than those um, um, that, that don't. Yeah. And and so when people, um, and not only just from the students, but from the teachers, right? So if we have graduates graduating from our local schools and colleges, and they say, hey, I can go into and work at a place that has air conditioning or doesn't. Right. On the margin, you would say, I want to go to the to the school district that has it that, yeah. or, you know, or not. And so, you know, our motto at Q Casino DRA is that we deserve nice things. And our, I mean, our community deserves nice things. And I think our kids do, too. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's why, you know, with my dad hat on, not on the CEO, we're, we're getting behind this initiative. But but I can't tell you, we could go on for hours. Um, and, uh, you know, on the on the fun note. You know, I was joking because I know you're a musician. Not a lot of you know people people know that, or um, but it's it's amazing. And I, I would I'd almost you know describe every time we get together. It's it's I would describe the music of our conversation first starts out as like a smooth jazz, right? <laughs> and then and then then it finishes on like like a queen at a stadium tour, <laughs> like Freddie Mercury betting out, like and it's like hell yeah, let's go check Town's world. And I think I think this is no different. I think. Um, there's so many great challenges, both in opportunities, but your optimism is oxygen to our community. And so I think the more that you continue to spread that in all the different um, forms, I remember I was seeing you smile and, and just, just engage when we were at Comiskey Park, when you just saw that bright, vibrant, colorful place and, and walking down the street here in Central Avenue, which is so great. And so I think keep up the optimism, keep pushing. And so it's so grateful to serve with you, for you. And uh, there's great things happening in our community. Uh, thank you so much, Alex. That's very kind. I appreciate, appreciate that. it. Again, we've got uh, Mayor Brad Kavanaugh here, and this is Dubuque Rising. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been Dubuque Rising with Alex Dixon, a surprising gem on the Mississippi. Season one, which features four separate episodes, is currently available for download for free. Visit DRADubuque.com for more information 